about to hear part two to this episode of climate mayhem if you haven't already go listen to part one to get the full story we've already jumped into it a bit could you tell us the abbreviated story of how drone seed was started leaving the maggot company so it's a callback to that um <laughs> love it i wanted i wanted to do something more that was that was directly impacting climate the atmosphere hmm. and and I had a I had a bunch of terrible ideas, and we can we could talk through those. And some of them they're great <laughs> ideas, but I just wasn't in the place financially, or there was an obvious competitor that would come in and just take me out. And so looking at that, like kind of worked through a number of number of ideas and um, the importance of of relationships and connection to other people. It's a hard process, so my my heart's out to anybody going through that process of like how do I make a bigger impact. Grinding through that process was was sort of complaining about it to a friend. And as a good friend does, he's like, well, I guess you're going to go plant trees. And having been a part of a very large tree planting project in the northeast of Colombia, um, I you know, was like, interesting. I wonder what my home country, the United States, does for tree planting and started to look at that in a really big way. So that's the that's the origin story. And then it's talked to anybody I could get in touch with that was in the industry to figure out what was needed, what were pain points, et cetera. And then figure out like, great, what were my initial points of traction? Start to start to build up a little bit of the tech, start to figure out if I could get some letters of intent from a land manager that helped us get accepted to Techstar Seattle. Nice. We won a competition in, in Beaverton, Oregon for a very small check and some office space. And that, sorry, that predated uh, Techstars and then Techstars. And then we went from there. And so that's, and then and then it was, well, great. We've got some money to bring on some other people. That's that's really where we we got started. And is the letter of intent uh, intent to purchase? Like, we will be your customer? That's what that Yes. Is. Okay. That's, that's, yeah, yeah. Which is for anybody going through that journey, it's a great proof point. They're usually non-binding, which means that, like it's not a firm commitment, but we did put it on our letterhead and it says, yeah, we'd be interested and usually try and get as many numbers as you can in there, like try and quantify, like, is it, are you going to work with me on a couple thousand acres? Is it like, maybe like yeah. we do a demo project? Like, is there like, you know, we'd be willing to spend up to 20K, like you try and get some sort of like ballpark in there and that helps give mm-hmm. investors some signal that, Yes, you've talked to customers. Customers have been willing to like take the time to put it on letterhead and say they're interested and kind of ballpark a little bit budget yeah. what that might look like and how interested, et cetera. And they can go into they can go into full on binding and be a, a sure. precursor to a larger contract, but that's generally not how they're used in in sort of like the early startup days. Okay. Okay, that's very helpful. And we'll, we'll talk more about tips, tricks, principles in a little bit. What I love about Drone Seed, I heard you said this in a TechCrunch uh, chat, was you guys focus on the actual bio and the software, not on the hardware right now. And that, that was intentional. You guys use a, a larger drone that you do have FAA, that's Federal Aviation Administration certification to do out of line of sight, which is really hard to get. 
right? They're very strict about that. So that's that's very cool. Maybe you could tell us more about is the future of this business in this industry larger drones or electric planes carrying bigger loads and being able to do bigger engagements than the hockey puck or maybe at a bigger scale? Is that what that looks like? I wouldn't say that it would be planes per se. Uh, I think planes have the biggest advantages. Fixed wing aircraft, whether manned or unmanned or uh, crewed or uncrewed, their advantages is in survey and being able to do very long distances or very large distances, very long flight times. Where I will, I would expect this to go is with multi-rotor aircraft. That's where their precision comes in. Fixed wing aircraft, the precision gets a lot more difficult to get to that microsite, which we've, we've identified as very important for the increased survival and establishment, which is you're, you're playing a numbers game. You want to you rig those odds as much as you can. And so the multi-rotors inevitably will get bigger. They will carry heavier payloads. I think the payloads will remain very similar in the sense of like about the size of, of what we do today, that hockey puck. However, where we where we might see is that there be bigger payloads, longer flight times. And that's something that if we look at the history of photovoltaics, if we look at the wow. the density of batteries, if you look at like there is a right. there's a technological evolution that occurs where we see like it gets bigger, it gets the you start to see the curve there. And we expect that same curve to happen. And just the question is, what's the rate? And so we looked at this and said, we want to use this for a purpose-driven application of the technology. And so we will utilize the best possible systems that are out there, put them together for our purpose-driven application reforestation and go from there. And so that's, and that's where we got those three FAA approvals, the, the multiple aircraft flown by a single pilot up to five, heavy lift carrying 57 pounds by an aircraft that's eight feet in diameter, and then beyond visual line of sight. Like we don't have to be able to see the aircraft. We don't have to be able to see the airspace around it, be able to clear that there are no other aircraft operating operating within our, our theater of operations. So those are the, that's, that's kind of how we've pursued our technological track. Super interesting. So you've, like, I love this kind of journey that I'm starting to learn about the, the reforestation world and, and then you guys kind of figuring out your place in it with this early, but you've got these LOIs, you started to get some funding through TechCrunch, and now we've got this problem, you that you've highlighted a couple times, seven and a half billion acres being burned every year. So what is the business landscape for you right now? I mean, it, it's hard for me to ask this question because a lot of times it's like, you're solving a, such a huge problem, but this problem is a hard one, which is pe- things are burning down and then you guys are coming in. But the raw question is, you know, what is the user's appetite? You know, what are you guys finding more customers, which in this case is a little bit, you know, I, I feel bad that we, we have these customers that need this, but that we do because of the seven and a half million acres that are being burned every year. What yeah. does your customer we- landscape look like right now? How is the roadmap looking right now? Yeah, the roadmap's looking, unfortunately, good. I yeah. mean, we we come in to help communities and land managers that are impacted. We take a look at like New Mexico and the Hermit's Peak and the Pyramid Fire. Um, that's an area where we are looking at great. We we look at what are those what are the four things that is needed to reforest, which is is there seed. Is there a place to, to grow it? Greenhouses, because mm-hmm. greenhouse space is at a premium because the supply chain is super overwhelmed and there's multi-year backlogs of orders there. 
And is there a labor supply? And then how do we pay for it all? And so with land managers that are affected there, we've looked at it and there's not a lot of seed. And so organizing collections, same thing for, we look at Montana, Wyoming, Idaho. We look at some of the areas in Eastern Washington and uh, even some of the areas in some of the like prime, uh, what's, what's been sort of timberlands in Oregon where I'm from. And so we're, we're shoring up the seed supply and collecting there. So we're finding people with deep need for seed and then plug them in and say, great, did you just have a fire or is a fire a couple of years old? Because there's a multi-year backlog. Then we can take orders for growing seedlings at Silvestead. And then if it's a recent fire, deploy the seed vessels and the drones and then pay for it all with carbon offsets or not. So Silvestead, which we acquired in 2021, wholly owned subsidiary, it collects the seed and organizes the collections and helps those communities impacted by fire in that way. And processes them, uh, takes the cones, breaks them apart into just the, not just the cone, gets rid of all the rest of the biomass, just the like viable seed and utilizes all kinds of technology to make sure like, great, what's the germ test? How, you know, how, how viable is that seed? And also grows millions of the seedlings. And then drone seed takes on, how do we get it out to site? Are we using drones? Are we using people? And then paying for it with all the carbon offsets. And so that's the that's the additional piece there. So what we're seeing is that, yeah, there's a lot of people coming to us and we can plug them in into any one of those four things and they may already have seed. And then great, well, they need a, they deeply need a place to grow it. We're there. They've got seedlings, but they want to do an offset project and need help figuring out how to get it done. We can help with that on the drone seed side. So those are all of the examples of like, this is what vertically integrated looks like. And- right. We're building a company to do not a couple of carbon offset projects a year, which given that what we're able to do and the deep need for the offsets and the lack of offsets in the supply in, in the market, there's a premium for those. You could do it. You could do a decent business with two to five projects a year. We're looking to do reforestation at scale, 50, 100, 200 years. This is what the, this is what the, this is the challenge that climate change poses for us, which is that we need to go to scale in a very big way and very fast. It's not a build yourself up over 10, 50 years, right. 100 years. Silvaseed did that. Silvaseed's 130 years old. It's built itself up there. What we're doing now is saying, great, how can we take that same, you know, the same technology that I that I love that is from that is very overbuilt from the 20s. And then how can we add software to that uh, to make it a very, very big operation? And so that's what we're excited on the seed side. That's what we're excited about on the seedlings side as well, utilizing more sophisticated greenhouses. So I have to ask, is the offsets, are they keeping up with this scale that we need? For the market? No. Yeah, they're not. There's not enough offsets in the system. You you look at the number of companies that have, Bloomberg, NEF, two of their three scenarios, they see the price spiking really significantly if we're focused on removal-based offsets, which we are. Mm-hmm. And the third scenario is not pretty. The uh, Wall Street Journal noted, noted the same thing. And this was really part of our Series A raise was we looked at like how many companies that made net zero or carbon negative pledges and how many offsets were in the marketplace on the voluntary side. And we looked at it and we're like, uh, we, see, we see single companies that are half to two thirds of the entire offset market availability. And so 
if we wow. if we see that, um, and these are for the high quality offsets, right? If we see that, then how how are all these companies going to go carbon neutral or negative? We don't see the supply. Right. Well, <laughs> what happened in between 2020 and 2021? Offset price uh, doubled, tripled in some cases, and that was because there was a lack of supply and companies were looking to purchase. What we expect to see, and we can get into what the SEC is doing because I'm excited about that. What we expect to see is that companies are going to be purchasing offsets as a hedge, just like they would on oil or steel or interest rates, et cetera. Interesting, interesting. And we could see this in the EU market, Ryanair, which is required to purchase compliance credits, which are different than what we do. They purchased a lot of compliance credits as an airline operating in EU in 2020, way more than they needed. And then when the price went up significantly, correlating with what was happening in the rest of the market, (laughs) they were covered. And analysts gave them a nice hat tip and said, like, look, we think you saved a lot of money this year, 10% in the period. And that was on the CEO's earnings call. And that is something that we expect to see other companies now start to be doing more and more is, okay, we need to be purchasing offsets in advance. The price is going to be going up. The supply isn't there. And that starts to also provide that capital for not just reforestation, because I will pound the desk saying this, uh, trees are not a magic bullet for climate change. They're not a silver bullet. They're not a magic bullet. Like it is a all hands on deck. And we need all of the possible solutions of decarbonization and electrifying everything, as well as director carbon capture, as well as all of the other systems. Right, right. It is an all hands approach. And so like that, that, that capital from offsets is what fuels those, is what fuels that marketplace in and allows those projects to happen because absent that, absent that, what, who's paying for reforestation to your earlier question? Yeah. Where does the money come from? Well, you have a land manager. They don't have any money. All of their value in the tree is just burned up. The, The government, it's got a limited amount of money. But that's not measured in percentages of GDP. That's not, and the the government generally takes care of the forest service land. It's not generally taking care of any private land. Mm. And the budget for the forest service land is woefully inadequate, even with what happened with the Inflation Reduction Act. And there's good progress rate made there, but not nearly enough. So like, where's that money going to come from? We can either just completely surrender and say, well, just let it burn gigatons just let it burn um that seems like a terrible option especially given that direct air carbon capture very much benefits from nature-based solutions and vice versa they are low volume high price we are higher volume and a much more tolerable price for companies to go negative you blend the two and you have something that is a very um salient product is both funding technology we need in the future and funding reforestation that we need now so it can capture carbon over the next hundred years. So like, wow. yeah, that, I think like in all of those ways, like there's the offset market is a, um, is a very valuable as- aspect in mitigating the worst effects of climate change. Love it. Grant, you mentioned earlier, you said we need to go to scale. How do you scale? How does drone seed scale from here? I've been searching for the right metaphor. So you guys let me know how I do on this one. Okay. But it's a vertically integrated operation. We have to do step one, seed, and then seedlings and drones, step two, and then paying for, you know, getting out to site and paying for it all, step three and four. So it's in some ways, I, I kind of envision it like a creek kind of flowing downhill and there's different tide pools here. 
each one of those four being our own sort of pool, if you will. I've already mixed metaphors with tide pools. Tide pools are not in creeks. But anyway, keep, we'll continue. We'll forge onwards. But basically, like, how do we scale? Well, step one, we've got to very much increase the seed supply. And you can see what we're up to with on social. Seed supply together is where we're showing what we're doing. That's our hashtag. It's what we're doing out on site. That is just showing how we're organizing collections, what that looks like, what cutting up dug fur cones looks like, and how we process wow. and things. Yeah. Nice. So that's the sort of the first pool. Well, then you have a lot of seed. Well, great. Well, now you can grow a lot more trees. Well, then you need a lot more nursery capacity uh, or you need a lot more drones. And so that's kind of like the second and third pools. And then you need the labor to either pilot those aircraft or do the tree planting. And then you need the financing to pay for it all. Well, the financing to pay for it all, like as we just sort of covered, is, is where the offsets come in because otherwise, where is it coming from? And we could talk a little bit about what the offset buyers get as a benefit because I'm excited about the use cases for our offsets. That's how we scale as we build up in each one of those four. So that's why SilvaSeed as an acquisition in 2021, so powerful. We we expanded to become the largest privacy bank in the West and wow. to increase those collections in a really significant way so that we are the first call for folks looking to do reforestation because we collect not just for ourselves, but for everybody in the industry and can also help people find and identify like if like we hold uh, a lot of the seed in our storage. So if there's seed, we're a great source for first call on where is it? Do you have any? Can you help me connect with people who do if you don't have it, et cetera? Nice. Like a seed library. Yeah. A little bit like that. Yeah. Ty and I were talking, we're like, what does it take to get to a million plus acres? Like, what does it take to get to, you know, if it is a couple million a year? And it seems like it really is just scaling it in terms of units of each of these. So more drones. So say you 10x the drones, more of the carbon offsets. You mentioned there's not enough offsets so that there has to be more creation or uh, granting of offsets. Is that right? We solve that problem. So when, okay. when a land manager comes to us, and they're like, I want to reforest. We utilize the methodology under Climate Action Reserve. And that gets us a measurable amount of offsets that we'll generate over the next 100 years. And with the easement and nationally accredited land trust, the insurance pool in case there's a reversal or a fire, and the third-party checks of foresters, we're then able to say, this is how many tons will be captured in the next 100 years and then sell those offsets so that companies are able to yeah. report on that and say this is the you know this is this is how many tons will be captured over the next 100 years the benefit to companies is that one of my favorite use cases is in buildings if you're building buildings you get paid on both ends if you are building net zero you get cheaper lending rates because you're doing a green bond for the construction because there is a big appetite to see people do more sustainable building. They don't want right, to see, right. so they will, they're like, you know what? I still want to profit, but I would, I would shave off like, you know, a couple bips or a couple, you know, a couple, you know, pick your number there and the like, whatever you're talking about, but the, the lens cheaper rate. And that matters when you're doing, you know, four or five, 10, $20 billion construction portfolio over the next like half decade. On the other side, you get paid a higher tenant rate. Because if you've got companies that are reporting their scope one, two, and three emissions, well, they don't want to be reporting the building's incredibly inefficient and it's releasing all this carbon in the atmosphere. And so they'll pay a higher tenant rate to, to not have that. And so 
inevitably to build a net zero building, there's going to be transport of materials. There's going to be emissions. And so what we want to see is more efficient HVAC systems, electrification of everything, low flow water systems, all the things that U.S. Green Building Council, where I work, like does, but there are going to be offsets that are going to be needed. And that's where we can help supply that. So that's one of the reasons to purchase offsets. And then companies should be looking at purchasing offsets with a, with a hedge of like a couple of years because offset prices are not in supply and they're going to go up. And that's in Harvard Business Review. Now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's time to buy now and hedge. And, and that's that's the thing that the whole finance industry knows how to do. It hedges on lots of things. Mm. So like, great. And it just lowers your total cost. The other things that that I that I see that are a benefit to company are what most people are familiar with, which is like, great, like a company is like buying offsets to be net zero so they can claim that in the press. Like, great. I, I mentioned earlier, like, I'll take that question. Why is it not just straight virtue signaling? They're competing for talent. We compete yeah. for talent. Everybody competes for talent. And Apple, right. Google, Facebook, others in the tech space, very much like very yeah. yeah. And so there are surveys out there that people will take a job for less money if the company is more sustainable. And I'm not sure, wow. I'm not saying they should have to, but I right. think what it says is that like Apple, others, if they are a more sustainable company, if their their job offer is one-to-one with a competitor and they're more sustainable, that's more interesting. for, And so they'll have an edge in that. But that same argument applies to consumers as well. And then one of the other things too is like, just from a branding perspective, if you're selling people rocket ships and the future of watches and cars and other things, and you're not talking about climate change, like you're not really selling them a vision of the future that actually meets most people's expectations. And yeah. from a branding perspective, you've got to be speaking to that as well. Um, so those are two of the six like user stories that we sort of see as like, why do people buy offsets with Shopify as well? Like, they're competing with other point of sale companies by being able to offer high quality sourced emissions to allow carbon neutral activities. They're just, they're able to distinguish themselves from as a feature. That's a feature in their product. Mm, one of many yeah. that sits that distinguishes them from why you should use anybody else for point of sale. So I like that as well. And you can see that with credit card companies and all the other payment processors starting to think about like, well, how, what would that look like? Yeah, and there's some regulatory ones as well that we can we can dip into, but those are those are a couple of the user stories that that we see as far as why why companies are benefiting from doing this and why it makes good financial sense. Those are helpful. Those are probably the best explanations we've gotten on. This I, yeah, I I totally agree. I think they're the best. And I will just add, I do like I said at the beginning. I I love the idea that I can finally connect the dots. To me, this term carbon offsets was a bit ephemeral, right? I didn't, a bit esoteric. I didn't know how to like, what, what, what does that mean exactly? And I love, and again, just as a user out there, like I love maybe the concept of helping people support companies that do this type of stuff by connecting those dots and having a drone seed or something like that in the in the story, you know, in the user story of like, and this is what's happening. Like literally a person or a drone is out there planting a tree because you spent time with this company. And I think that that really kind of finishes, closes that loop in a lot of ways. So I love it. And I love drones. He's part of it right now. I want to pull in the like hardcore techies on this too, because carbon offsets can be kind of like wonky and like, great. Mm -hmm. Sounds like we should do it. Sounds like a fintech thing. Like maybe I'm interested, et cetera, et cetera. 
let me let me frame it in a much broader, bigger vision as well. And I'm going to rub some people the wrong way who are like, spend all the money on Earth. Hey, but um, go for it. I like it. If you believe that democracy is a technology, take that as a premise. Paying people in mass to not emit things via the systems that we've sort of described here, via buildings, recruitment of talent, point of sale, etc. If we were to colonize another planet, and we would need the exact inverse, we would need to pay people on Mars to emit CO2. So a payment, a global system in which people are incentivized financially to either capture carbon or release carbon is a technology like democracy that I think would be very essential for terraformation of another planet. And Interesting. so for, for people who are very excited about space, very excited about right. the future evolution of the trillions of future humans that are going to come onto the planet and where are they going to go and how are we going to get resources, et cetera, et cetera. That, let me, let me pull you into to that and say that like carbon offsets matters to you in a very deep way <laughs> because you need this system to be able to terraform a planet and collectivize the action of billions of people. And we wow. need it today to preserve our planet and to be able to preserve the ecosystems and the things yep. that we love, which are just like the basics of a, of a national park, but we can also utilize it as a technology and a much broader vision of the future of where, where humanity goes as a, as a species. So now that I've rubbed all the wrong people, rubbed people the wrong way, we're like, no, spend no. all the money on earth. I'm like, yes, we should spend the money on earth, but it will, it will help us right. in the future. <laughs> yeah, there's a give and a take there. I like it. No, there's the yin and the yang. No, you pushed it all the way out there. Well, we usually close this portion with one other related question, though. Now that you've brought us all the way out to space and terraforming um, other planets, um, in your mind, when you think about this big, huge problem, what is the next big step change for climate action, climate sustainability? I very much think of carbon offsets as the way in which human financial systems connect with the same sort of currencies of ecosystems, which are carbon, and how trees communicate in their root structures and share resources, et cetera. And I kind of picture them as sort of two gears, the human financial system spinning at hundreds of revolutions per minute, and the, the sort of natural system sort of kind of chugging along at like a couple right. per minute, right. right? And like, you got to connect those two so that human financial systems are funding the restoration of those natural ecosystems in a way that augments what nature already does. And so I think that that to me is really where I see the next step and how we, how we start to connect those two systems really matters. And there's a lot of different approaches to how we're doing that. And there's been criticism leveled by John Oliver and otherwise. And so I think we're sort of figuring out that like, okay, great. Like we like protecting trees, but like also like, Intent matters, additionality matters to use the, the offset offset word. And so like reforesting after fire is one of those use cases that's like right. great, like this makes sense. It removes carbon and it's additional. So I think that that's really where I see things see things going next. And that and I think is the like first step, again, pounding the desk saying trees are not a silver bullet. Well, right. what does that what does that open up? What is the door that, that opens up for other climate technology companies 
ones that are figuring out how to expand other natural processes to capture capture carbon or you know human processes or otherwise. I think that the, all of those technologies together collaborate. And the worst thing that we can do is to pick horses and fight about, you know, make them into sports team and fight about whether Boston, Boston or New York is the better, (laughs) the better solution. And it should, and I think that like the history of social movements and our our CTO as a LGBTQ plus man would very much like say, look, like a lot of movements, including ones that I have participated in have benefited from, there is a good faith approach to, if there's a good faith approach to mitigating a problem, then accept that group into the community and build a coalition. And that's really how and make it and, know, in our conversations, or, right? Like, yeah, then it's it's and. Yes and. Yeah. yeah, exactly. No, I, I like it. And I love what you said about offsets. I'm obviously focused on this, this topic this time because you've just connected so many dots for me. But I do feel like this idea of democratizing offsets, right? Like making it almost, my mind immediately went like, if you could make it like a, a bank transaction fee, or <laughs> like every time I, I bought something, there was a little like 1.1% that went to a carbon offset. To me, that feels like a, a huge step change that we could really power this engine. And I love the gears that you built there, the gears connecting them together in a, in a stronger way. No, I, that, that's, that's super good, man. I, I love, I love all the analogies. You've done a good job, I think today. Well, well thank you. Well, I guess what I, what I would love to caution people on is that that, that, that baked tail fee, if you will, I think we're over a couple of decades looking back where a lot of people hoped that there would be an altruistic endeavor to to promote and that people would take responsibility for their climate footprint. I think like a lot of a lot of that fell flat. And so cautioning the entrepreneurs into believing that the sort of like two cents at the grocery to for a cause would solve the problem. I'm not saying that. I'm not, I want to distinguish any and I want to help entrepreneur any entrepreneur listening to this to like say like the altruism cannot be relied upon and that has been tried over several decades. And that has been the great hope of many climate companies that like, great, if people will just altruistically donate, like right, and everybody right. did it, we'll solve this problem. It has to make business sense and it needs right. to come not from the consumer, but it needs to come from the, the businesses themselves in the infrastructure. They're either forced to, in some cases, to with compliance, as you see with airlines and Ryanair in the EU, or they're they're getting an advantage with higher tenant rates and lower lending rates, um, right, and right. they're getting it. You know, a they're differentiating themselves from a point of sale perspective, and not you know there there's a carbon neutrality to the shipping, but it's a but it's an option, and that makes their their product more competitive. You know, that's that's right. where that Provides needs to come from somewhere else. Yeah, 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 fair. Altruism fair. will start us down that direction. It may, might get us. Right, right, right. I'm not saying altruism <laughs> dead. I'm saying like it exists, but it's, it's not to be relied on the, for a business model. You can fair. only get so far with that altruism. Like it. All right. Hey, I appreciate get, the distinction. Let's get into All this right, Jacob. rapid mayhem question. Yeah, let's, I think it's time. <laughs> All right. All right. So I'm going to ask you the most potent ones here. All right, Grant, are you ready? Yes. All right. True or false? 2,000 years ago. 80% of Western Europe was covered by force. Today, only 43% is covered by force. Uh, false. I'm more pessimistic than that, unfortunately. You think less? I think there's less, less, yeah. 
You're correct. You're correct. It's actually 34%, not 43%. Very good. All right, true or false? The Svalbard Global Seed Vault can hold up to 4.5 million seed varieties, yet it currently holds only 1.2. They recently had some troubles. I think they corrected them. We'll see. But I'm going to go optimistic and say true. You're right. You're nice. All right. All right. Number three, true or false? In addition to being home to thousands of different trees. Wait, I think I got that wrong. <laughs> I thought I was saying the other thing. Anyway, hey, go ahead. Hey, you said true. <laughs> uh, so the Amazon rainforest, home to lots of different trees and animal species. It's also home to 183 indigenous tribes. True or false? Oh, having lived in Colombia for a number of years, I feel like that number should be higher. Is it higher? Uh, yes. Sorry. <laughs> I was answering in the form of a question, not a, not false. a true false. <laughs> Mr. Trebek, what is? Yes. Uh, it's, it's 400 to 500, and uh, about 50 of these tribes have never had been in touch with the outside world outside of their, wow. their, their own. Uh, wow. All right. Last, lightning and humans are, are two main causes of forest fires. Lightning, so now lightning strikes the earth over 100,000 times a day. That's crazy. 5% of these strikes can cause a fire. True or false? Don't know about that first question, not being a... But that, that 5% is like what I'm going to focus on. That 5% seems, seems way low. How many... What's that? Hold on. Let me see if I can get this actually into true or false. 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 There yes, we go. Yes. You are correct. It's 10 to 20%. Nice. 10 to 20%. That's, that's, that's the range. All right. I think you got 100%. Yeah, definitely. Smashing job. Definitely. Smashing do I job. do I get it? Do I get it? Is anybody going to leave a message on my answering machine? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm actually going to uh, award you some carbon offsets. Um, for, <laughs> I like it. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. Don't take it. What Don't I really want it. is electric tractors. So um, Ooh, I'll put that ask out to the universe. Yes. If you're an electric tractor company. Please contact us. John Deere. Love it. Product team, you there. I know you hear it. All right, closing this out. Grant, climate change is so big. Uh, we've talked about this. People often feel helpless. You mentioned there's there's not a magic bullet. But what is the equivalent of what a listener can do if they're listening right now? Maybe you could imagine any busy soccer mom or any busy business person. Vote. It is Vote. single-handedly. like It is literally how we collectively organize. Literally. That is how we collectively organize is voting. And I realize that for a lot of people that might seem like a small action, but like elections have been decided by, there was a state legislator, there was a literal tie and they, they did a coin flip. 2000 was decided by 537 votes in Florida. You could yeah. write letters to voters. If you care deeply about climate, the writing letters to voters is one of the, in controlled studies is can, can increase voter turnout by one to 2%, which is massive amounts of, of votes. Wow. Yeah, the other thing I'll, I trumpet often is um, completely shifting gears is uh, in any movement, I would say mitigating worst effects of climate change is a movement. There is a need for all of the skill sets. doesn't matter if it's art, doesn't matter if it's accounting. It is not just engineers and software engineers and finance right. people. The amount of accounting and otherwise that is needed for carbon finance is high, et cetera. So there are all kinds of job boards with climate base. There's the climate career portable, especially if you're in oil and gas and you want to transition to geothermal, you want to transition to other things. I would love to brain drain oil and gas. There's a lot of smart people in there that have a lot of valuable skill sets that we can move over. And the climate career portal 
is one that if you search for that, it like targets based off of your oil and gas specialty and like, here's what you could do in climate. Wow. And then wow. I got one more. I got one more if you give me the time, which is, um, time. yeah, we at Drumseed are, we moved our, our 401k plan to Carbon Collective. Well, first of all, we created a 401k plan because that was new for us. And what it does is it allows people to choose one of three options. They can do traditional electronically traded fund of Vanguard or whatnot, and there's no environmental aspect, or they can do the Vanguard environmental fund, or they can do Carbon Collective. And Carbon Collective is a, basically it it removes all of the oil and gas because why would you want to invest in what is likely going to be a stranded asset of the future when you could be elected? you could be investing in battery technologies and all these other things. Mm -hmm. And it's a way there are, there is so much money in people's 401ks and it still does a balanced portfolio of everything. It just, it takes S and P portfolio 100, 500, you pick the numbers, whatever it, and it instead it just sort of does a much better job than anybody else out there that we've seen as far as targeting that capital to a balanced portfolio for retirement, but with a climate focus. And so that's something that, um, again, HR professionals who are managing benefits, there's a place for you in mitigating the worst effects of climate change. So love it. And we'll include so links good. to all of those in the show notes too for yeah. uh, climate career switchers to, to this industry. This 401k program sounds pretty incredible for companies and HR managers. And and then droneseed.com. That's that the best place to find and learn about drone seed. Yeah. And we'd love, love people to follow along because we do a lot of education in the space. If what I've sound, said has been interesting and you want to know how do what does a dug fur look like when it's cut open and where do the seeds look like? That's where that's where we're at. And yeah, if you if you think followers don't matter, like SpaceX changed the entire uh, contracting process for the federal government utilizing right. social media because they didn't think it was fair. And a lot of people told other people in Congress that they didn't think it was fair and NASA got the word. So yeah, it's helpful. It matters. Follow. Vote. Follow and vote. Yeah. Thank you so Grant. much. Thank you for this everything awesome. you're doing. Yeah. I'm really pumped and grateful for what drone seed is doing. And you're right. We're all, uh, as you said, trees are not the magic bullet, but it's macro and micro changes that we all need to be doing. And it's a huge one. Really appreciate Absolutely. it. Good to thank, good thank to you all for spending time with us. Thanks, all right. Grant. Thank Thanks. you. Talk hey, to you bye. soon. Ciao. Ciao. Bye-bye. Boom. How was that? Well, there's more. So keep listening. We speak with climate tech leaders and change makers in EV, reforestation, solar energy, flood mapping, and a whole lot more. Also, you can give feedback or check out show notes at our website, climatemayhem.com. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Oh, don't forget. If you found this valuable or interesting at all, please hit subscribe. That way we know you're loving it. So just go to Spotify or whatever podcast app you're on. Hit that subscribe button at the top. Production was done by Daniel Steenkamp with cover art by Harrison Glenn. This is Jacob Kubica with my legendary colleague, Ty Wolf motherfucking Jones. Peace out, Climate Mayhem. Out.